Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the one and only Sean Sports Stop podcast, where you stop and listen to all the biggest news going on inside the world of sports. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 338. The last episode I did was four days ago, so we're still not yet back on the daily grind, but I am working my way back into it. It is a process. I love doing this. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, as always, the biggest news in sports we covered, we got an update on Dame Lillard and his situation with the Portland Trailblazers, some tennis to talk about, uh, some baseball trades, some baseball rumors. Uh, MLB Home Run Derby was pretty recently was pretty recent. Covered that on the last episode. Some more NBA news. Game 5 of the NBA Finals was today. So we got a lot to talk about inside the world of sports. Make sure you your state your make sure you're listening. Um, and yeah, with that said, let's let's get into it. Starting with, like I said, Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. So amid speculation about his future with the Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard offered honest comments about the state of the organization and how he fits into that. Speaking to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, Lillard said everyone with the Blazers, quote, must look in the mirror because we've constantly come up short. He's not wrong about that. But at the same time, me personally, I don't think the Blazers have the makeup uh, to be considered perennial championship contenders. They're definitely a perennial playoff team. But when you hear the Portland Trailblazers with their current makeup, no one really thinks of them as a perennial championship team like the Lakers, like the Brooklyn Nets, like teams of that nature, like the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, you you expect the Blazers to definitely make the playoffs, possibly make the second round, maybe even the conference finals once or twice. But it's not a team you see making the NBA finals, let alone winning an NBA championship. Perhaps a trade would change that. I mean, there have been rumors with a straight-up C.J. McCollum for Ben Simmons trade that could prove to be a good trade for both teams. Personally, I think that's a, I think that's a win for the Trailblazers. I think right now I definitely take Ben Simmons over C.J. McCollum, but that's just me personally. Going back to Dame Lillard, though, his comments to Haynes came. Uh, they came out on the same day that Henry Abbott of TrueHoop.com reported the six-time All-Star plans to request a trade quote in the days to come. This was a couple days ago. This is not the second time this offseason offseason for the Trailblazers and most of the NBA that's not the Phoenix Suns or Milwaukee Bucks, that a report like this has come out. And it's also the second time that Lillard has basically um, made sort of cryptic comments or at least not said definitively whether he will stay on the Blazers or request a trade. So it seems like it seems like de- it's very um, deja vu, like at least for me personally. I'm not sure about you guys. One continued source of frustration for Lillard has been Portland's loss to the Denver Nuggets in the first in the first round of the playoffs, saying, quote, we're not losing a lot, but we were eliminated by a shorthanded Denver team that I felt we should have beat. I just walked away from that really disappointed. And I mean, Lillard is probably the lo- lo- most loyal player in the NBA. Uh, definitely one of the most loyal players in the NBA. And he gave that series his absolute all. I mean, I believe it was it was either game five or game six. I forgot what game it was where Dame just kept lighting it up from deep. I mean, he kept... He basically kept pulling up from half court and keep single-handedly keeping the Blazers in the game and in turn in the series. But it just wasn't enough. The Nuggets were the better team. They were um, they were a well-oiled machine. The Nuggets were just the better team than the Blazers. And uh, but 
you know, understanding the fact that Jamal Murray, arguably the Nuggets, definitely the Nuggets' second best player behind MVP Nikola Jokic, he was out for pretty much the whole series. They, they didn't have Will Barton either, who we'll talk about later in the show. It's perfectly understandable as to why Lillard, Lillard is disappointed after the Blazers lose to a shorthanded Nuggets team. And these comments are similar to what he said immediately after Portland's Game 6 loss on June 3rd, when he told reporters that the team, quote, isn't good enough to win a championship if he can't beat a Nuggets squad that didn't have Jamal Murray or Will Barton because of injuries. And he's absolutely right. So this is now the fourth time in five seasons that the Blazers have been unable to get out of the first round in the Western Conference playoffs. And the Western Conference is deep, but this just further illustrates my point that the Blazers, are under current makeup, are not a perennial championship team. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Yes, they made the conference finals in the one year that they did make it out of the first round in the last five seasons, but it's just not enough for Dame. He's not getting any younger. He's 31 years old now, and he's a superstar. I mean, he ranked third in the NBA during the season with 28.8 points per game, in addition to seven and a half assists a game, and he shot 39% from three. So he's in his prime. He's lighting it up for the Blazers, and they're not they're not uh, surrounding him with the pieces around him that uh, he and the team need to achieve more than the first round of the playoffs. And that's just... It's the unfortunate truth. I mean, the Western Conference is loaded. And when you have teams like the Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers in the Eastern Conference, it makes it that much more challenging for um, for a, a Portland Trailblazers team to make it out of the first round and make consistent uh, deep playoff runs. Now, switching gears to some tennis, it's not something that's that I cover much on the show, but we actually have some back-to-back tennis stories, starting with um, Serena Williams. Jill Smaller, the agent uh, for superstar tennis superstar Serena Williams, said the 23-time Grand Slam champion is hoping to recover from a leg injury in time to play in the 2021 U.S. Open, which begins on August 30th, about a month and a half from today, July 17th. Quote, she's doing great, Smaller told TMZ Sports in an interview released on Friday, adding Serena is, quote, just doing rehab after she was forced to withdraw from the Wimbledon Championships in late June. She previously announced that she would skip the Tokyo Olympics. Um, she's one major title away from tying Margaret Court for the all-time women's record of 24 Grand Slam singles titles. She's also captured 14 doubles and two mixed doubles titles at majors. She is undoubtedly uh, the female greatest tennis, the greatest female tennis player of all time. But she's now 39 years old, just like Roger Federer. They're not getting any younger. She's come close in recent years, reaching four Grand Slam finals and two semifinals since 2018. But she last captured a major final almost five years ago now at the 2017 Australian Open. Man, I've said it before and I'll say it again, that 2015 US Open final against Roberta Vinci will haunt Serena Williams for the rest of her life if she does not get to 24 Grand Slams to pass Margaret Court and Steffi Graf. Uh, But, I mean, Serena has obviously been incredibly successful at the US Open, winning it six times. And while her last US Open win was all the way back in 2014, now almost eight, now seven years ago, She's reached at least the semifinals in her last five appearances at the, in her last five appearances at the season's final major tournament. Uh, in February, Serena confirmed the pursuit of court's record was a key focus, saying, "Quote: It's definitely on my shoulders and on my mind. I think it's a, I think it's good to be on my mind. I'm used to it now. There's no doubt about it. She's been under she's been under pressure for pretty much her whole career. She's been, uh, you know, under the bright lights and in the limelight for pretty much her whole career. And um, I'm not Serena's biggest fan. I've met her in person." And just the way she kind of carries herself and the way she speaks in interviews, she doesn't come across as the nicest person. But then again, I don't know what it's like to be her. I don't know what it's like to be Serena Williams and and have all the pressure and constantly be mobbed by fans. So, you know, I can't say I can't um, I can't say that she's a bad person. I can't say that at all. It just 
she wasn't really pleasant to talk to, but uh, that's just my personal experience. Other people have shared that sentiment, but we'll see. We'll see if she passes Margaret Court. Uh, but 39 years old, that's tough. It's really tough. And yeah, we'll see. Switching gears to some more tennis. 20-time major winner Novak Djokovic announced that he will represent Serbia in the Tokyo Olympics. So far, Novak has won the Australian, French Open, and Wimbledon in 2021. And Let's just get this out of the way. In my personal opinion, if Novak Djokovic wins the Tokyo Olympics and wins the U.S. Open, he is the greatest male tennis player of all time. I understand that Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal also each have 20 slams. I mean, the fact that those three guys, three active tennis players, Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, the fact that the three of them have a combined 60 Grand Slam titles is absolutely astounding. But as far as Djokovic... If he wins the calendar slam and the Olympics this year, beating Rafael Nadal on clay at the French Open, the king of clay, beating him, winning Wimbledon, a surface that Federer has dominated. If he wins the Olympics, which is also incredibly tough in and of itself, and then the U.S. Open on hard court, I think that cements Djokovic as the greatest tennis player of all time. I don't think Federer would be able to... I don't think Federer will ultimately have more Grand Slam titles than Djokovic, unfortunately. You know, I love Federer. Djokovic, I think, gets a little bit too much hate. But um, Nadal could possibly pass Djokovic or finish, end up with more major titles than Djokovic. But I think ultimately, out of the big three, it'll be Djokovic with the most. And if he completes the calendar slam, once again, if he completes the calendar slam and wins the Olympics this year, I think he is the tennis goat. That's just uh, my personal opinion. So yeah, I mean, previously he was 50-50 to compete at the Olympics. He earned bronze at the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And yeah, he's at 20 slams. Uh, no one has won the calendar slam. No male player has ever won the calendar slam. Steffi Graf did it in 1988 as the only female player to do it. So that would be that would be historic if Djokovic is able to win the calendar slam. Uh, transitioning to some baseball. And by the way, I didn't say in the beginning of the show that... That intro, I mean, that, that fucking intro that, that Bruce Buffer, UFC ring announcer, did for me, it never gets old. It's amazing. Shout out, Bruce. Shout out to UFC. It was a great UFC fight tonight. Islam Makhchaev just mauled Thiago Moises. I mean, these Dagestani fighters are not going anywhere. He's now 20-1. and one. Khabib Nurmagomedov obviously was a famous 29-0. and 0. So that's a combined 49-1 and one record between the two of them. That's In MMA, That's it's not like boxing. That's unheard of. Makhchaev is probably a few the future lightweight champion at some point no one wants to fight him though that's the thing that's the thing he called out rda rafael dos años after the fight we'll see that's a great fight i, be, I believe rda is ranked fifth or sixth in the lightweight ranking so that would immediately propel Makhshaev into the top five but we'll see shout out the ufc and now switching gears to some baseball chicago cubs this was a couple days ago chicago cubs outfielder jock peterson was traded to the atlanta braves on tuesday excuse me on thursday in exchange for minor league first baseman bryce ball the 29-year-old spent the first seven years of his career with the Los Angeles Dodgers, winning a title with the team in 2020. He struggled immensely during the season, though, hitting just 190 in 43 games with seven home runs and 16 RBIs. While Peterson has never hit for a great batting average, he's a career 230 hitter, and he pretty much can't hit left-handed pitching at all. It was a disappointing season after his career year in 2019, where he went 249 with 36 home runs and 74 RBIs. Going into last year, he had posted 25 or more homers in four of the previous five seasons, and he was on pace for 18 homers in a 162-game season in 2020. 
The Cubs were definitely hoping to get the 2019 version of Peterson signing him to a one-year deal worth $7 million this offseason, especially after choosing to sign him over Kyle Schwarber, who has been on an absolute tear with the Washington Nationals this season. The deal has a mutual 2022 option for $10 million with a $2.5 million buyout. While the season doesn't appear likely to come anywhere close to 2019's heights, he's hitting 230 with 11 home runs and 39 RBIs. He's been better than last year, and today in his first game with the Atlanta Braves, he went one for three with a two-run home run. So already the trade is paying dividends for the Atlanta Braves. And honestly, I don't really get, and they made this trade obviously because they lo- unfortunately they lost superstar outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. this season to a t- to a torn ACL. It's extremely unfortunate. I just don't understand why the Cubs made this trade. I mean, yeah, they're probably not World Series contenders, not even contenders to make a deep playoff run uh, like the Braves might be. But why would you trade Jock Peterson for a minor league, a minor league first baseman? That makes zero sense to me whatsoever. I don't really get it. But it seems like Jock is a good fit with the Braves, and uh, it's awesome to see. I mean, he was my favorite player with the Dodgers when he was on the team. And uh, yeah, switching gears to some more baseball, some more trade deadline rumors. As the Minnesota Twins prepare to begin the second half of their very disappointing 2021 season. Byron Buxton's contract status is something that opposing teams could keep, could keep a close eye on leading up to the trade deadline. According to national gossip blogger Ken Rosenthal, as Mr. Trevor Bauer likes to say, uh, he the Twins are trying to sign Buxton to a long-term extension, but if no agreement is reached, the 27-year-old is likely going to be traded by the July 30th deadline. According to Rosenthal, Minnesota's most recent offer to Buxton is more than $70 million, or excuse me, yeah, is more than the $70 million that Aaron Hicks received from the New York Yankees in February of 2019. Honestly, I don't get why Buxton wouldn't take that deal. The Twins don't necessarily need to be in a rush to trade him, though. He still has one more year of arbitration before being eligible for free agency after the 2022 season. Um, and there are significant questions about Buxton's ability to be a long-term contributor. He was a gold glove winner in 2017. Um, and he's, But he's definitely one of the, one of the most dynamic uh, players in the MLB when healthy. He's extremely fast. But staying healthy has been an issue for Buxton. He's only played, he's played more than 100 games, uh, only once since making his big league debut in 2015. So he's constantly on the injured list, and we'll see. I personally, I don't really see why he's turning down that contract. That's a that's a great deal. Uh, at least that's what I that's what I think. Hopefully, he doesn't price himself out. Switching gears to some more baseball. Washington Nationals infielder Starlin Castro will reportedly be pl- will reportedly be placed on administrative leave amid an investigation into an allegation of domestic violence. According to Brittany Giroli, the Athletic Major League Baseball is expected to put Castro on seven-day administrative leave uh, prior to today's game between the Nationals and San Diego Padres. And there's going to be more on that game, some unfortunate circumstances in that game and around that stadium. The report does not specify when the Nationals were made aware of the situation, nor when the alleged domestic violence situation occurred. Um... So, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it seems to be something. I don't know what it is with uh, baseball players and domestic violence and beating women, but unfortunately there seems to be a link between playing in the NLB and domestic violence. I mean, sorry, that's a very broad statement. It just seems like with the tra- whole Trevor Bauer situation, not this with Starlin Castro, uh, that Felipe Vasquez motherfucker that turned out to be a pedophile. I mean, I don't know, man. Some weird... Some weird dudes playing in the MLB for sure. And I'm sure there are more in other sports leagues as well that kind of maybe go under the radar. But um, yeah, it's good that this is that these sort of things are coming to the light for sure. Transitioning to some basketball. 
One week away from the start of the Tokyo Olympics, USA men's basketball has reportedly added big man JaVale McGee to the roster. According to Shams Charania of The Athletic, the Denver Nuggets Center will join Team USA's 12-man selection for the delayed 2020 games. According to Woj of ESPN, McGee will fly to Las Vegas where Team USA is currently training on Saturday. The U.S. squad had two roster spots come open late in the process. USA Basketball announced on Thursday that Bradley Beal wouldn't travel with the team after being placed in the health and safety protocols. In addition to Beal, it was reported that Jeremy Grant was also put in the health and safety protocols, so shorthanded. And on top of that, Kevin Love withdrew from the team because of a lingering calf injury, so JaVale McGee is a much-needed big man for Team USA. You know, they lost a couple exhibition games. I believe it was to Nigeria and Australia so far. Hopefully things click for the boys representing the Stars and Stripes at the 2020 delayed 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Before we get into the next story, I want to take a second to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. If you or someone you know has a small or medium-sized company that needs managed IT services, go to crimsonit.com, tell them that you found them, that you heard of them from my podcast, the Sean Sports Podcast, and they will immediately give you a discount on whatever service you're interested in from them. Once again, that's Crimson IT. They do managed IT services. They're the best in the world. Check them out. Much love to them for sponsoring today's episode. And with that, let's get right back to the show. Some more basketball now. The NBA postseason play-in tournament will reportedly remain in place for at least one more season. According to Woj of ESPN, the NBA and National Basketball Players Association have agreed to extend the play-in tournament through the 2021-22 season, and the NBA Board of Governors will make it official through a vote in the near future. The play-in tournament was first instituted during the 2019-20 season as a means of leveling the playing field after the campaign was halted due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The NBA and MBPA then decided to keep it in place for this season as well. When the play-in tournament was instituted for the COVID-shortened season, it was determined that a series would be played between the number 8 and 9 seed in order seeds in either conference if the 9th seed was within four games of the 8th seed. That happened in the Western Conference with the Portland Trailblazers at the 8th seed and the Memphis Grizzlies in the, as the 9th. Portland needed only needed to win only one game to secure the number 8 seed, while Memphis needed to win two. Since the Blazers prevailed in the first game, they clinched the playoff berth. The playing tournament, though, it was changed for this season with, with number 7 through 10 seeds in each conference taking part. Under that format, the 7th seed faced the 8th seed with the winner clinching the number 7 seed. Also, the 9th seed and 10th seed played a game with the loser getting eliminated. This gets a little confusing here. The loser of the 7 versus 8 game and winner of the 9 versus 10 game then played a winner go home game with the winner earning the 8th seed. Through that process, the Los Angeles Lakers and Grizzlies earned the 7th and 8th seeds respectively in the West, and the Boston Celtics and Washington Wizards secured the 7th and 8th seeds respectively in the East. There have been mixed reviews um, regarding the playing tournament this past season with fans and the league on one side and players on the other. Obviously, fans enjoyed the addition of more meaningful NBA games. And the NBA was definitely happy to put more important games on television and the higher ratings and more revenue. LeBron James, though, arguably the face of the NBA, who led the Lakers to the seventh seed through the playing tournament, said whoever came up with the playing concept, quote, needs to be fired per ESPN's Dave McMenamin. Dallas Mavericks star Luka Doncic also ripped the play in, saying he didn't, saying he didn't, quote, see the point of doing it after already having a 72-game season, according to ESPN's Tim McMahon. And I definitely see that point. But the NBA is a business, and they figured that uh, they will make more money. They figured that they will make more money doing the play-in. So it will happen for at least one more season. Switching gears back to some more baseball. Shohei, the legend of Shohei Otani continues. Shohei, Shohei Otani's participation in, in MLB's Home Run Derby on Monday didn't last long. 
The Los Angeles Angels two-way star lost his first duel with Washington National slugger Juan Soto after a three-swing swing-off was needed to break the tie. Yet Otani's legacy in that event will have little to do with what happened on the field that day. Instead, it will focus on what he did upon run, returning to Los Angeles. According to Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register, Otani donated his $150,000 participation earnings to around 30 Angels support staff employees to thank them for their hard work. Fletcher reported Otani decided before the event, which pays the winner a million dollars and the runner-up $500,000, that he would pay the funds forward. Upon returning to Southern California from Colorado, Otani began handing out checks to trainers, clubhouse workers, and media relations staffers. So what a class act. I mean, like I said uh, a minute ago, the legend of Shohei Otani continues, and it's just awesome to see. It's it's amazing. He's a generational talent. Some even consider him the greatest, base, the most talented baseball player of all time. The fact that he's also this much of a nice guy is awesome to see. Now, this guy doesn't seem very nice. Court documents filed Friday show NFL free agent cornerback Richard Sherman facing five charges related to a highway crash in a construction zone and subsequent arrest early Wednesday at his in-laws home in Redmond, Washington. ESPN reported Sherman, who was released from custody without bail on, t- on Thursday, was formally charged by the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office ahead of a Friday court hearing. He's accused of criminal trespass in the second degree, domestic violence, malicious mischief in the third degree, domestic violence, resisting arrest, driving while under the influence, and reckless endangerment of roadway workers. He pleaded not guilty to all five charges. He was arrested amid an investigation into a hit-and-run crash on a person attempting to force their way into his in-law's home, according to the Seattle Times. So first, he's suspected of hitting a concrete barrier with a vehicle at a construction site on a local highway and then driving away from the scene. He allegedly later left the car, which had, quote, pretty extensive damage in, in a nearby parking lot and left the area. Then, police responded to a call about a potential burglary in progress at Sherman's in-law's house after previously receiving a call from Sherman's wife saying he'd been drinking and threatened to kill himself. In a second call, she told the dispatcher Sherman may have been traveling to her parents' home in Redmond, according to the Seattle Times. Police said Sherman was responsive and joked with them until they declared their intention to arrest him, which is when he tried to leave the area. They used a police dog to restrain him and take him into custody, and he suffered a cut on his leg in the process. Video has been obtained of him trying to force his way into his in-law's house. Sherman has since apologized and has said that he will get the help he needs. And honestly, that's the best thing he could have done. Um, it's cool to see that he acknowledges his faults. Thankfully, no one was injured or, kill- or killed throughout this accident. And hopefully he gets the help that he needs. Uh, transitioning to some football, to some more football. But this is actually involving on-the-field football. Green Bay Packers president Mark Murphy said Friday there's still no update on whether superstar quarterback Aaron Rodgers will play for the team in 2021, saying, quote, I appreciate the question. This is really limited to questions regarding financial statements. Murphy said on a call about the Packers fiscal year amid the COVID-19 pandemic. I would just say there's nothing new to update on the issue that you raised, obviously referring to whether or not Aaron Rodgers will play for the team in 2021. And uh, that's the latest. That is the latest. That's pretty much it. And uh, yeah, that's. That is the latest. Switching gears back, back uh, to the NBA. Back to the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. Denver Nuggets assistant coach Wes Unsell Jr. is reportedly set to become the next head coach of the Washington Wizards. Champs Trainee of the Athletic Stadium reported Friday that Wizards that the Wizards are finalizing a deal with Unsend. This comes after Woj reported on June 16th that Washington and former coach Scott Brooks chose to part ways after they failed to reach an agreement on a contract extension. So this seems like a solid hire for the Wizards, but honestly, I don't think it'll do much for them. I mean, that's just that's just uh, what I think. I don't think it'll do much. We got some baseball to talk about, some more baseball. That's right. 
a huge pickup for the Chicago White Sox. Rather than wait to see what the free agent market presented this offseason, Lance Lynn decided to sign a midseason extension with the Chicago White Sox. The team announced today that the two-time All-Star agreed to a deal worth $38 million over two years, definitely taking a bit of a pay cut to stay with the White Sox with a club option for 2024. The White Sox acquired Lynn in December in a trade with the Texas Rangers. He had transformed himself into one of the best pitchers in the American League during his two seasons with the Rangers. He finished in the top six in American League Cy Young Award voting in 2019 and 2020. He led all pitchers with 84 innings last season. He posted he posted a 3.57 ERA with 335 strikeouts and only a 1.17 whip. That's walks and hits per innings pitched in almost 293 innings, over 46 starts with Texas. As a member of the White Sox, he's gotten even better. He leads the American League with a 1.99 ERA and has 105 strikeouts over 90 innings and 16 starts. He was named to an all-star team for the second time and the first time since 2012. So Lance Lynn is arguably the, the best pitcher in the American League, and he's been instrumental uh, to the White Sox having the largest division lead in the MLB at eight games. And their 54-36 and 36 record is third in the American League, only one game behind the Houston Astros and Boston Red Sox, who are both at 56-36. and 36. Pretty surprising to see the Boston Red Sox turn it around this quickly, honestly, considering the fact that they were last in the American League East last season. Alex Verdugo and Kike Hernandez have been huge additions for them. Uh, transitioning back to the NBA, Will Barton has been a staple in the Denver Nuggets rotation for seven years, but this may come to an end um, now. <laughs> Barton declined his player option worth $14.7 million for the 2021-22 season, according to Shams Chirani of The Athletic. There was a time when it appeared the Memphis product wouldn't remain with the Nuggets for long after they acquired him from the Portland Trailblazers in February 2015. Chris Haynes, who was with ESPN at the time, reported in December 2016 the Washington Wizards and New Orleans Pelicans reached out to Denver with interest in him. Uh, but they kept him for multiple seasons. He averaged double-figure double, double figure scoring totals every year in Denver, including when he posted 15 points, 6 rebounds, and almost 4 assists a night in 2019-20 for a team that reached the Western Conference Finals and gave the Lakers a scare in that series. So Will Barton has been an integral part for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, now switching gears back to some baseball. Thank God everyone is okay. Today's game between, between the Washington Nationals and San Diego Padres was suspended in the sixth inning as emergency services responded to a shooting just outside Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. The Nationals tweeted that a shooting had been reported outside the third base gate. Fans were being asked to exit the stadium through center field and right field gates. Following the top of the sixth inning, the sound of gunshots sent players and fans scrambling. Multiple Padres players were seen running into the stands to usher family members into the clubhouse and away from the field. Uh, fans were initially asked to remain inside the stadium before further details were made available. District police confirmed multiple people were shot outside the stadium and said there are, there appeared to be no further threat to the area, so thank God. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a shooting outside the stadium, and it looks like there will be a doubleheader tomorrow. So now, closing out this episode of Sean Swarstop with Game 5 of the 2021 NBA Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks are now one win away from their first NBA championship in 50 years after beating the host Phoenix Suns 123-119 today in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. The Bucks have now won three straight games after falling down 0-2 in the NBA Finals. Drew Holiday was so clutch with 27 points, 13 assists, and 3 steals. He helped the Bucks overcome a 37-21 first quarter deficit. Giannis Antetokounmpo led the Bucks with 32 points. His um, his choking from the free throw line almost cost them at the end, but Drew Holiday had a clutch steal, uh, which then led to an alley-oop to Giannis to seal the deal for the Bucks. They'll look to close it out in Game 6 in Milwaukee. Um, so yeah, huge blow for the Suns, 
Chris Middleton also with 29.7 rebounds and five assists. Devin Booker with his second straight 40-point game with 40 points tonight. Chris Paul with a double-double, 21 points, 11 assists. DeAndre Aiden with a double-double himself, 20 points and 10 rebounds. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy the Sean Sports Talk podcast, it's not much. It's not hard. It's not hard to show your support. Um, you know, rate the show five-star on iTunes or rate it whatever you like, you know. All feedback is appreciated. If you leave a one-star review and say, your podcast fucking sucks, this is what you need to do better, I'll take that and I'll make it better. You bet your sweet baby I will. If you leave a five-star review and talk about how amazing the show is, that's obviously greatly appreciated as well. Follow the show. Again, Sean Sports up on Spotify. Follow me on Instagram at TheBoy62. That's T-H-A-B-O-Y-Y-6-2. Stay tuned for future episodes. They are coming soon, no doubt about it. Hopefully, I'll have some athletes uh, on the show to interview. And yeah, with that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna play some um, some elevator music. That's gonna be that's gonna be the uh, tradition from now on. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll hit the thirty minute mark with some elevator music. Thank you guys so much for listening. Listening, and we're out. seconds if you're still listening you're a real one (laughs) appreciate you guys